Welcome to Legacy Church, Amelia Island. We pray that you are blessed by the message that you are about to hear, and we believe that it will help you leave a Christ-glorifying legacy for generations to come. Scripture tells us that we're to come into His presence with thanksgiving. And I just want to say, I'm so thankful. Not only will we prayed what Amanda prayed, that we live in a country where we have the freedom to gather together because of those who were willing to give their very best for us. And so we honor them and we honor you who are serving now. I want to thank also this community. Maybe it's because I'm from the north, but I've never felt so loved. The, the South is, there's something about the way that we care for one another. And uh, I'm so thankful that the Lord led us to this house, to this place, to serve Him and to be together. And uh, I wish, you know, I'm always sitting out there when you get to sit up here and you get to see the faces. It's really like looking at a beautiful garden each one different, each one having its own gifting, calling, personality, quirks. It's who we are, and I'm so thankful that we can be in a place where we can be who we are because we share together in the love of God. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful that you gave your very best, your only son for us. And Lord, that you didn't leave him in the ground, but that you raised him up. That you prove that you are greater than our greatest fear. And that you have left us your Holy Spirit, the guide and direct to fulfill your plan and your purpose. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, our God and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I got a couple of little testimony and a little tidbit to start with this morning. Uh, the testimony, I hope, will be an encouragement to you. It's by way, a little bit of a confession. Um, have you ever been sitting in a meeting and thought, boy, I'd rather be out doing something else? <laughs> I think we've all had that. That happened to me recently. I checked the surf report in the morning and it was going to be breaking big. <laughs> and it was not much wind, a glassy, some tubes out there that I was hoping to meet with. And I was in a meeting. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, be present right here. I may have something to say to you, and I may have something for you to do. And I believe that that, even right now, with, we come on a day like today, and many of us have so many things, places we'd rather be, places we hoped wouldn't come to pass, that trials, the difficulties, the things that we're struggling with. 
We bring them here, but let's lay them at the altar now and be present, fully present with him as his word comes forth. And I pray that it would be his word and not just the things that I've been thinking about and meditating on, but that each one would receive something from the Lord that you could take to heart and use to further his kingdom. Last week, Pastor Carlos did a tremendous job of expressing to us the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is impossible without the Great Commandment. We're called to go and make disciples. And here's the crazy thing. We're already making disciples. Stop and think about that for a second. We, everybody, each one of us is making disciples all the time. People are watching us. People are looking and saying, what's that all about? And the people that we're closest with are judging what's happening and are deciding whether they're going to take it into their lives or whether they're going to reject it. And so the great commission to go and make disciples can only happen when we walk in the great commandment. There's a classic saying, and, and it rings true. I hope it hasn't become... Sometimes great sayings become so used that they become overused and trite, but, but I'm sure you've heard it. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It's important that people know... We, the days of knocking on the door and telling people they're going to hell unless they come to Jesus, is they're gone. It's about fellowship. It's about love. It's about caring. It's about a willingness to give our lives for others the same way that Jesus gave his life for us. And so let's just ponder for a minute the great commandment. He, because he tells us, go and make disciples baptizing them introducing them into, having them come into a place of introduction into the body of Christ, and teaching them what? To obey all I have commanded. And all he has commanded is this. What, they, they, tr they tried to test him and, and tempt him to, to, so they could put him in a box. And he said, no, the, the greatest commandment. And it's the Shema. Matthew 22, 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And he ends the Great Commission by saying, And lo, I am with you to the end of the age. That's what we're talking about today. The fact that He is still with us and wants us to continue His ministry. He told us that in John 13.35, he, he says, By this all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. Is the, can we grab a hold of that? 
Like the divisions in the church, the divisions in the nation, the divisions around the world. This is not God's plan. It's chaos, it's selfishness, it's, it's the idea that I've got my own tribe that I've got to defend instead of realizing that God wants to bring it all into unity. Creation itself tells us there was, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters and they were in chaos and everything was crazy and he brought order to it. Because order brings peace and safety and that's what we long for. We're looking to have a life that is full. But we try to do it on our own strength. And it'll never work. So the message today is titled, The Purpose and Plan of Pentecost. The Purpose and Plan of Pentecost. And i got to say, the worship team, by the way, quick hand for the worship team. My goodness. The songs, I mean, you know, how many of you have seen the Jesus Revolution? Okay, go see it. if you have. It's streaming now, I think. But that song comes right out of that era, 1977. Keith Green, calling for the Holy Spirit. And let us continue on till the work is done. And leaving us His Spirit till the work on earth is done. And this is ultimately, I'm going to kind of jump ahead and, and give you this, this overview. There's a thing that God does and there's a thing that we do. And our job now is to continue the work that He started. So let's take a look at this idea of purpose. Have you ever noticed that this really is at the heart of every human being? I mean, every human being has a basic need to, to feel loved, to feel secure, to feel connected with others, but they also have this deep need for significance, to be a part of something bigger than themselves, to leave a lasting legacy. It's in our hearts. Otherwise, it seems kind of foolish, like, what, what are we here for? Now, sadly, people who don't know the Lord and haven't heard his good news, pursue all kinds of things. It's like, hey, this is the only like YOLO. You only live once. You know, I'm just going to get what I can get while I can get it and do bad for everybody else. What a sad thing, because when they die, it's over. And what did they get? We have the hope of an eternal relationship with the maker, creator of the universe. And i got to say, this, the only way, I, I'm going off script here now. <laughs> the fall of man is the fall of Satan, which is pride. And basically it's, I can do it on my own. I know it's best for me. But here's the thing, God knows better. Who do we think we are? Who can stand in a hurricane? I mean, I've ridden waves that I shouldn't have ridden <laughs> You know, and that's just the little ocean. When a hurricane comes, it'll kill you. There are so many things that are bigger than us, and we think we're something. Who made all that stuff? God Himself. And He invites us to be in a personal relationship with Him, 
and to partner with him in fulfilling a purpose and a plan that he set out right from the beginning. Let's put a little uh, context of his plan and his purpose. Now let's jump ahead. His purpose. I let it settle there for I hope your minds are going, what's he going to say? What is his purpose? What is God's purpose? And this is just my view of it. I, I know it's much bigger than this, but at least for the day of Pentecost, I think it's the idea of reconciliation. To make the things that were broken new. And I think it's interesting, I'm sure, I hope you've heard the, the teaching. If you haven't, you know, the whole thing about tongues, speaking in other tongues, it's a, it's a tar baby, it's dangerous in the, in the theological world of Christianity. But at least in this case, we know that they spoke in languages that they didn't know because they were all Galileans. And yet everyone heard the word in their own language. This is the reversal, the restoration of the ability to work together. Because Babel, the Tower of Babel, the reason God said, I'm messing up your languages, you're not going to be able to understand each other. From now on, that you know, you're trying to get to me through your works and your effort, and you're going to be like God, and you're going to, you know, reach up to heaven. And so he, God said, "No, just confuse their language. They can't work together. This new ability that we have to communicate together. This is not just a reality, but it's also a symbol and type of the idea that God's." Intention is to reach all people. Go into all the nations and make disciples. God wants it to, us to have a bigger purpose, a bigger idea of what our lives are about. We live in a fallen and broken world. God wants better for us. And here's the thing, you know, just a quick, quick little sidebar. Why was the tree in there in the first place? Why that stupid tree of good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil? Why'd they put that thing in there? You know what? If you don't have a choice, you can't love. If you don't have a choice, you can't love. It's a, it, you have to make a choice. We get the chance. To, it gives us an identity to say, okay, I'm going to love God. And what the enemy did and continues to do is, well, God's really, he, he's holding off on you. He, he's not giving you the whole thing. He's, really, he's not that good. Because when difficult things happen to us, we go, oh, you know, how can God allow that? Well, he allows it because he's going to reveal how good he is in the midst of it. Because this, the present world that we live in, the situations, difficulties that we have, they're passing away. But we will gain an eternal home. And his desire is for us to join with him. And so he told the disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit. He told them 
how they were going to do what they needed to do, which was the power of the Holy Spirit. He told them where they were going to do it to the ends of the world, but he only implies who's going to do it. It couldn't just be these 12 men who were up in the upper room. He wants each and every one of us to be involved in that. And so how does God's purpose and plan actually come into being? I came up with this statement. It's two statements, actually. And I, I think it, it helps me answer the question, what does God do? How much does God do and how much do I do? Because that's always a struggle, I think, when you come to the Lord. It's like, how much am I going to just trust Him for and how much should I invest in and, and actually do? And here's the statement. The cross is what He has done for us. And if we want to put it in the context of these festivals, that's the Passover. That's the Passover lamb. That's the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. The blood that's on the door that takes us past death. That's what he's done. And our job is to believe that. You know, that's it. That's what we do. We believe. But then, the resurrection and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is the power that we have to do for him. Let's sink in for a minute. If it weren't for the resurrection, I mean, think, there's tons of scriptures here, and I, I thought I might do them all, but there's just way too many. One, we'd never get saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, what? That God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. You have to believe in the resurrection to be saved. That's important. Because death is, is a scary thing. And if you, I've often wondered, well, why is it so scary? Well, we know why it's scary. Because it's the unknown. We don't know what's going to... But we, who have come into faith in Jesus Christ, realize that it's not so scary because we get a life after this life. And it's a better life. We're not constricted by this. Okay, so I, I love surfing. You guys obviously know that. But I would like to fly. <laughs> I mean, I, when I was a kid, I used to dream. I've been learned, you know, dreams of the old men are supposed to dream dreams. Can I get that flying dream back from when I was a kid? Just the freedom of it. And then the joy of being together, finding all the people that you, that you lost in this life, now waiting there for you, welcoming you. The Rainbow Bridge. Our dog. Come yapping up with the tail. She's going to come up. and It's a little silly, but I believe it's true. I mean, we know there's, there's horses in heaven because Jesus rides one to come in. Why can't there be dogs? And our pets. Yeah, okay. I like that. Overcoming death and the resurrection is absolutely key. And, and here's, not only is it, is it foundational for our salvation, but, but this scripture has, has really spoken to me for the longest time, and it, 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 it explains a lot of why things are the way they are. Uh, Hebrews 2, 14. 
Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Fear of death, even little death, like somebody's going to reject me. If I do that, people are going to think this about me. If I really say that I'm a Christian and really try to walk it out, they're going to make fun of me. It's a little death. But here's the beauty, is that he, after he died, he went and got the keys of death and hell. He's got them. We are no longer under the devil's power and the fear of death. Because we have a friend, a brother, a God who didn't die, who died but but lived again. Life after life. Mm. I'm letting it sink in because I'm preaching to myself here. The idea that death doesn't have the victory, it really can't free us up. So let's take a look at Pentecost now. Did I tell you what the purpose was? I did. Reconciliation, bring it all together. Unity, love, peace. The jo- Heaven, meeting the people that you lost. Your little dog. All those things that we long for, that we desire. C.S. Lewis says a great thing, and, and he says, you know, our desires are too small. You know, we, th- we think we want money and fame and, and glory and, uh, you know, comfort and all these things. And he's saying, that's like, it's like little children who are making mud pies in the slums when God is offering a vacation at the beach. You know, we just think too small. Our desire can be that God would dwell in me and affect the world around me for the better. At Pentecost, there's really two main ideas in Pentecost that I think are valuable for us this morning. The first is that this 50 days, which is really 49 days, it goes from Sabbath to Sabbath, seven, seven Sabbaths take place, and then on the next day, in the, the day of resurrection, we have 50 days. And at that point, the Holy Spirit comes. But what happened in the beginning of that 50 days was the Passover. And in the Pentecost, what they say is that's the Feast of First Fruits. And then you have the Feast of Weeks, and then it's the full harvest. And so God's intention in giving us this idea of Pentecost is that we will see a harvest. Last week, Pastor Carlos said, pray the Lord of the harvest. The workers are few. Ask the Lord, am I one of those? And let's broaden out that idea of what it means to harvest. Because I think there's a, a wrong idea of, you know, we've got to lead them to the Lord and make them say the sinner's prayer. No. 
allow them to come into their fullness by caring for and feeding and then giving them a place to be gathered together where they can become food for others. That's, well, okay, I'm going to jump the gun here. That's the plan. The plan is the church. God's plan is that the church would be an actual representation of who He is and His goodness and His desire to be with us, to teach us how to live together. We're short-sighted. You know, we think, oh, you know, nations are going to do it and politics are going to do it and social justice is going to do it. Those things are good. But until people's lives are changed, the world won't change. And they're only going to change when we, together, begin to look more like Jesus Christ. So that's the first idea, is the harvest, the, the first fruits to the harvest. Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground, I think it's in John 12, if you want to look it up at some point. Unless a seed falls to the ground, it remains alone. But if it dies, it will bring forth a great harvest. Jesus had to die so that the harvest could come. And now he invites us in. The second aspect of the celebration of Pentecost is that this happens at Mount Sinai. They've been wandering in the desert. They've been set free. The Passover's happened. The blood of the Lamb. The crucifixion. I'm jumping together here. The crucifixion's happened. Even the resurrection has come, but we're waiting for that next phase, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is represented in this story by the word being given to Moses. I don't know if you can make that connection right off. I hope I can clarify this. Pentecost is celebrated in the Jewish tradition as the day that the Ten Commandments were given. And here's kind of a neat visual. What did the mountain look like? It had fire coming out of it. What happened at Pentecost? They started preaching the Word, and fire was landing on each individual head. The presence of God was right there in giving the Word and now giving the Holy Spirit. And in Him giving us the Holy Spirit, He equips us to do the next stage. And this is where we're going beyond Pentecost now into what happens next in the story. I think that was the series title. What's next? What happens next to the Israelites? Okay, they mess up again, and he comes and gives them Deuteronomy, a second giving of the, you know, blah, blah, blah. But God gives Moses a vision. I want you to build a place where I can live with you. Make a tabernacle. And so after these, the, this salvation experience in the blood of the Lamb, the giving of the law to teach us how to live together, now he's saying, I want to live with you in a temple. We 
mistake, I think, oftentimes the First Corinthians scripture, chapter 6, where it says, you know, um, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? The context is about sexual purity. There's no doubt about that. But I think as most scripture, it has a larger and more expansive meaning, which is God's Spirit is going to live in you. I love the songs today. Thanks again, Greg. It was just wonderful. The breath that I breathe. You know, the wind of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach that came at Pentecost and they were all filled with the Spirit. We have that every day. The breath of God in us, working through us. And if that weren't enough, it, I, okay, maybe I'm taking out of context about, you know, keeping sexual purity, you're a temple. I, I think we are a temple. You are actually, uh, we are told that we are a, a living stones being built into a temple. Okay, so I think I'm safe there. But even better than that, we got Jesus. The turning point in when they were like, okay, he's done now, is when he said, destroy this temple and I'll build it up in three days. They were already freaked out that he was calling God his father, but now he's saying he's going to rebuild the temple. His body was the temple. And isn't it interesting that at the crucifixion, the veil was torn from top to bottom. The presence of God that was supposed to be in the temple came out and went out into the world and now is deposited in us through the Holy Spirit that we might be the expression of Him. And that is His plan, the church. Let's take a look at the two scriptures. And by the way, um, if you're looking in uh, Acts chapter 2, which you probably thought I was going to preach from, and sadly I let you down. <laughs> I will say this. Look at the content. Look at, look at the content of Peter's preaching. Ultimately, it's about the resurrection. Because the scriptures tell us if Christ isn't raised, we're bigger fools than anybody. We should have just gone out and got all the YOLO that we wanted. Our faith is, in, is futile. And we're still in our sins if He's not raised. That's important. And now that He has been raised, He can send His Holy Spirit, which is His plan. This is how He intends to do it. Jeremiah 31. And Peter references both Joel and David in there, but I think uh, hidden in there also is Jeremiah 31. We'll look at 33 here. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel, the people of God, after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law, the Ten Commandments, the, greatest, the two greatest commandments in their minds and will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Restoration, a restored relationship. Take a look at Ezekiel 36, 26. Where God promises, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone. What were those Ten Commandments written on? Stone. That's a dead, immobile, 
Solid, yes. But, and he says, I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep all my laws. The Holy Spirit is given to, to help us do the plan of God. And I hope we're, we can grab a hold of that. Second big point. Be, actually I think it's the third one, isn't it? I'm not, my notes are very messy. <laughs> be his dwelling place and people will see him. Be his dwelling place. If God lives in us, he's going to be seen. And I'm not, you know, we need to take stock. How, how well is it there? And I think there's, there's a way that we can be his dwelling place that will help us. What does it look like to be his dwelling place? I love the fact that the scriptures are full, that Jesus told stories, that the parables have expanded meanings, that, that they can be, they're so much bigger than the immediate thing. You know, a woman lost a coin and now she found it. Big story. You know? But what if that coin is finding God, finding salvation, getting rid of her old life. That's, that expands that story. And so there are stories that are full of metaphors, things standing for other things. That's what a parable is, really. And images, things that we can actually see and know. It's taking the things that are seen and explaining the unseen things. And the unseen things that he's revealing to us through the seen things are very important because they reveal to us how it is that we're going to look more and more like Jesus. There are three, three images that I want to share as, as we end uh, into this time. Uh, don't come up yet, Greg. <laughs> I, I'm so ADD. I like when the music's going, I can't concentrate, you know. So... We'll just keep going. Three things, and I'll throw them out big so you can get them in your notes big. We're a letter, we're a stream, and we're ambassadors. And we're many other things, too. There are lots of, I just happen to choose these three because I think they tell us how to model our lives in such a way that we look more and more like Jesus, that we fulfill his plan and his purpose of reconciliation. Let's take a look at the letter. 2 Corinthians 3.2 You yourselves, he, the context of this is Peter, Paul is saying, do we need letters of recommendation to, to explain to you that we're truthfully trying to take care of you and help you? You, you know. You're our letter of recommendation written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, here we are again, 
but on tablets of human heart. Letters are about communication. Nothing better than a love letter. I, you know, this technological, this new digital age is kind of sad. Don't you love it when you actually get a mail, a letter in the mailbox? Like, oh, who's it from? What's it about? It's about caring. It's about communication. It's about relationship. And the best kind of relationships are when there's total access, open-hearted. A letter that's written, you can't, it's like it's there. It's either there or it's not there. What you wrote is what you wrote. Being who we really are is what will affect the world for Christ. Being who we really are. Don't fake it. Now, it's good to be positive. I mean, if you're feeling down, yeah, okay, but don't live in the doldrums. Don't live in the dumps. God is, you know, think on these things. What's everything? Pure, lovely, honorable, of good repute. All the, think on these things. Let your mind, you know, we're, we're, we're changed by the renewing of our minds. And that's what people will see. So make yourself accessible as a letter. The second one is streams. John 7, 38, whoever believes in me, Jesus says, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. He was speaking about the Spirit. He was already anticipating Pentecost. Whom those who believed in him were later to receive. For the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Streams. Isn't there, I don't think there's anything more settling, more peaceful than the sound of a babbling brook. Just sitting behind, beside a stream and listening to it just tinkle away. It's wonderful. Is that what our life looks like? Is that what your life looks like, my life looks like, around the people that we're around? Do they sense the peace that is within us? And yet also... The, the best thing about a stream is, you know, water. It's like life. You can't have water, you don't have life. Are you life-giving? So are you a letter? Are you accessible? Are you a stream? Are you life-giving? And the last one is the ambassador. And we had a great time the other night with the men's group talking about what it means to be an ambassador. I loved it. I got a new revelation from one of my good brothers. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them, And he has committed to us, ooh, that one just hit me, not counting people's sin against them. The people I know, do I count their sin against them? Hmm. Can I walk in forgiveness or am I going to hold on to that wound that came to me through that person?
And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. The beauty of an ambassador is that they speak on behalf of the nation that they represent. Do we know His Word well enough to speak life to other people? Are we good ambassadors? And here's the little revelation that came as we were with the men's group. If you're an ambassador, there's an embassy. I think the embassy is the church, the local church. People can come and find safety. They can be safely hidden away, taken care of, and loved. And the rest and the world out there can't get them because they've called for asylum. They've called to be part of what we are. Well, that's a big picture. Okay, now you can come up and play your stuff there. I hope I'm going to be able to pray because I want to pray at the end here. We tend to look uh, for perfection. You know, the big, the big win, the, the big fame, the celebrity. But God honors daily faithfulness. That's what it's going to take to become who God wants us to be so that we can do His work. We can continue to be the temple of the Holy Spirit where He can be seen wherever we go. Eden was a garden. And gardens take tending. They take care. And they're in different stages. There's different seasons for gardens. Don't be so hard on yourself. Allow God to lead you and guide you through His Holy Spirit to become more like Him. If you're just learning about the Holy Spirit or you're, you're new to the Holy Spirit or you've forgotten how important the Holy Spirit was, I encourage you. The Holy Spirit dwells in you and wants to lead you into greater joy and draw others by God's love. I'm going to give a little... Uh, I, I, this is the slide that I said maybe we'd go to. The Just quick Holy Spirit. Little, it's not homework, but some of you are... That's a good part of being A-type. You know, I'm a B-type. You know, it's like, eh, I'm really back. It's a good part of, like, I want to, I want to do more. You want to know more about the Holy Spirit? There they are. This is the way that He's doing His work. Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit which allow us to work together in order and unity. Galatians chapter 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit, which is what it, my daughter, I love when she comes up with the, the revelation. It's like, Dad, when you preach about the fruit, it's not for people to grow fruit, it's for other people to eat the fruit. The fruit's not for you, it's for everybody else. Here's the part you get. You get the seeds that are left over and you can plant them. Yeah. Okay. And the last thing, the spiritual armor. 
We see that in Ephesians. To be protected. In the Lord's Prayer, that's the last thing He says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I could go long about the armor, but we'll leave it there for now. Go into that. Take a look at those things and try to allow God's Holy Spirit to teach you and to grow you so that you become more like Him and that you can draw others to Christ. Well, thank you for being an attentive group, listening for God's Word. I pray that it will gain ground and that it will be rooted and grounded in His love and that it will bring forth much fruit. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful that You are God and we are not. Lord, if we were left to our own, we would make a mess of it. Actually, we did. For most of us, that's why we came to You. We made a mess of it. And we finally came to the end of ourselves and we said, Lord, help. And we thank You, Lord, that You were there to help. And that now You have equipped us to help others. So, Father, we thank You for Your great grace. And there may be there those here who have walked away from the Lord, who are struggling between letting God have control and continuing to control their own lives. Fallen away, we used to call it backslidden. There may be those who are new and this is all fresh and they want to know Jesus better. I ask that you would pray with me with those who We'll pray this for the first time or many times, but as a whole church, we could pray it together. So, Lord, let us pray. Lord God, thank you for dying for me and sending your Holy Spirit. I give you my life. Help me become more like you, that you may be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about our church, please check out our website at LegacyChurchAI.org or follow us on social media at LegacyChurchAI. We'll see you next time.